Welcome to Finding the Faith with me, your host, Frida Donnelly, where we explore what matters. Whether it's traversing someone's faith journey, diving deeper into doctrine, or simply enjoying Christian fellowship, I aim to focus on the good and the beautiful to provide you with some respite from the world. If you'd like to join us live, check out Finding the Faith on Rumble every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the links are in the show notes down below. Please remember to rate and subscribe, and I'll see you on the other side. Ready to Finding the Faith? I'm so glad to have with us tonight Britta, aka No Sleep for Knowles, to talk to us about her faith journey here on Finding the Faith every Tuesday at 7 p.m. where we explore what matters. How are you doing, Britta? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. My phone just alerted me that we are live. So (laughs) that is a great reminder to make sure I put that on silence. Um, So anyways, what are your first memories of religion? I, I don't have any memories that aren't, to be honest. I just grew up with it and... Um, I remember praying the prayer with my mom when I was like three years old. <laughs> um, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I obviously I was too young to understand it mm-hmm. at the time, but it just, it seemed right. And, um, yeah. That's wonderful. So you got to, you know, grow with Jesus as you grew. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So reflecting on your faith journey, you know, from itty bitty birdie, <laughs> how, uh, how have your beliefs evolved over time? Okay, so um, I really didn't question my faith at all mm-hmm. until I was, mm, I, I think I started struggling a little bit uh, when I was in my late teens, because mm-hmm. some things just seemed difficult in the Bible, like the things that they don't always talk about in church. Um, yeah. The the harsher side of God, I guess. Um, at least not in the churches I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they didn't shy away from sin, which is good because I know there are a lot of churches going in that direction. But, oh, um, for sure. Yeah, there was a solid sense of responsibility, but there wasn't emphasis on God's wrath and some of the other things that are kind of necessary to the the whole picture. So when I mm-hmm. started reading the Bible more and more on my own in my teens, there's stuff I just, it was hard to grapple with. And then I think uh, my early 20s, I, I actually started totally questioning it. Like, how do we know it's Jesus? You know, how do mm-hmm. we know Christians are right? And I went through that whole thing. Was there a certain piece of evidence you know, during that journey for you that you found really compelling or really helpful? I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that so much as just uh, after going through the questioning, Mm -hmm. just kind of a pervasive sense that it was true, that the faith was just, I guess the faith was given to me to, to be able to believe and to, to no longer go back and forth and question and it's like, no, it's just true. I just had that assurance. That makes sense. Was So it was more of like a, that peace of God that ex, like surpasses all understanding 
mm-hmm. with okay that makes sense that's beautiful i love that so could you ex- could you share an experience that deepened your understanding of the christian faith in a particular aspect because i know that we have we have so many wonderful members of this community and i know we're all at different phases of our you know spiritual journey and our walk with christ mm-hmm. and for those who are you know maybe beginning their journey is there a specific thing that you know can help them to understand their Christian faith or the faith that they're trying to attain? Oh, okay. So to answer the first part, um, there've been a number of things uh, where I just really felt like um, I felt like God was kind of revealing himself to me in a way where I just, I really sensed his presence or I, I felt like I was, discovering something new and it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly when I was 15 I kind of had this experience of just kind of being overwhelmed by God's presence and just feeling like this pull in my life Mm -hmm. to follow him in a deeper way um and then when I was um in college, there were there were some really big ups and downs. I only went for a year, but mm. um, it was at a Christian college and just got exposed to a lot of different points of view in Christianity. And um, I don't think that's really answering your question, but um, then I, <laughs> we had a, in my 30s, we had a cat that my husband and I just absolutely adored and she ended up um, going into acute on chronic kidney failure at not even four years old. That's so sad. It was really rough. And long story short, my husband just felt like he was supposed to pray over her and that if we had faith, God would heal her. But I mean, the, the vet had given her a few days left to live. Like when we discovered it it was that advanced. Mm -hmm. So, um, she was not supposed to survive more than a week. And, we ended up having her for 10 years after that. Wow. That's amazing. Praise yeah. Jesus. It was really beautiful. And there's a lot more to that story, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, suffice it to say, like just seeing that happen so kind of vividly, like there yeah. was, there was no reason it should have happened that way. No natural reason, no natural explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, and that happened two more times throughout her life where um usually the other one of us was doubting and then you know like I the first time it was my husband who was like no I really think God's gonna heal her second time it was me telling him I I really think God's gonna heal her and um I don't even know if I want to share this part of it but I feel like it's important even if people don't believe in it even if they think I'm a heretic but um I didn't grow up charismatic by any stretch but uh, the second time that our cat Riddles was sick, mm-hmm. I just like laid hands on her and I just started like speaking in tongues. <laughs> and wow, I don't know. Okay. To this day, I don't know if that was actually tongues or if it was just a manifestation, you know, not manifestation, mm-hmm. but of just my just passionate feeling. But I just, yeah, I just started, it just started flowing out of me. And I was like, okay. But, um, yeah, it, and 
that was the second time that she ended up getting healed. Um, and actually the first time she got healed, my husband had prayed in tongues over her, which he had done before. I never had. And again, like mm. I didn't grow up being taught this at all. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, th- none of this is necessarily something that would help in somebody else's life to draw them closer to Christ. But I think that, uh, I think just being open to the fact that you never know what God is going to do or could possibly do and not trying to, um, not trying to overanalyze or base, uh, base it on your own experiences of, well, I really prayed that God would do this and he didn't do it, you Mm -hmm. know, because I I've had plenty of that too. Yeah. Um, But then also not losing faith that he could do miraculous things. And sometimes it's just bringing things together at just the right time. I mean, there's so many ways that he works, but yeah. Yeah. That is so wonderful and beautiful. I'm so happy about your cat. Um, I know not too long ago, it was like actually during the height of the pandemic that our cat, Jazz, he got really sick. Um, he ended up accidentally, basically there was a whole incident and he, his kidneys started having really, really bad problems and we took mm. him into the doctor, um, the vet, and the vet was like, oh, we're going to have to put him down. Mm. As you guys have seen on the last stream when you gave a rumble rant, the very many generous rumble rants, um, Jazz is doing great. That was in 2020. This is 2024. Awesome. We just, yeah. We were praying. We were reaching out to like holistic vets, the whole nine, like, you know, putting colloidal silver in his water, doing all of the things. Wow. So I know how, you know, intense that can be when a pet that you really love who's like truly a member of the family gets sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she had she had stopped eating and drinking. Her body had stopped producing urine. Mm-hmm. Just everything was, it was like shutting down. It was time for it to go. And the only thing that was odd was that she was so alert. She mm-hmm. hadn't really gotten lethargic. She wasn't feeling well, but she hadn't gotten lethargic like she should have for not eating, not drinking, and being like in complete shutdown. And, um, but yeah, it, it was like after everything had shut down in those functions that we were about ready to give up hope that first time. And then, yeah, we just kept praying and praying. And then over the course of the weekend, like her bladder suddenly started working again and her, uh, she started eating. And it was just like, it was amazing. That is so amazing. I know that we were like, okay, is this fat like actually telling us the truth? Like what's going on? We like looked at all of his panels. It was so intense. And we just, we knew in our bones that he wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like prancing all around over here still. And That's we're so sweet. so grateful. I love that Margo's in the chat saying that I shouldn't be talking about cats. Yeah, Margo does that. One time I addressed her on stream about it too. Yeah, like in our Discord, we literally have to delete her cat hate speech. Oh no, I I know. I mean, <laughs> she she hates when I talk about cats, but here she is. When I'm on a podcast, she actually has the nerve to tell me what I can and can't talk about. <laughs> How dare you, Margo? 
Yeah, Margo. <laughs> um, so actually, the next question comes from Margo. She wants to know why you're why you aren't Catholic. Can you speak to your choice of denomination or faith tradition? Wow, just wow. I I cannot believe that you are here harassing me about cats and my faith when I I was just put aside everything to be on this podcast and and be here for you guys and talk to you. I'm not talking to you, Frida, now. Just, you know, I, yeah. of course, I appreciate you. But, but Margot, wow. Just, you know what? I'm going to start being not Catholic even harder. You heard it here first, folks. So, some individuals may know you from freedom tunes and all of the amazing tremendous work that you do there you literally amaze me thank you of course thank you for all that you do um among the characters that you've portrayed in freedom tunes do you have one that resonates with you the most oh i oh gosh i've gotten to do so many fun voices um one of my favorite projects was six voices in one cartoon and that was insanely challenging at first because Mm -hmm. i had to make each one their own person their Mm -hmm. own character and be distinct and then keep them straight um now granted i i recorded each of their lines separately you know like all of one line one character's lines and all of another character's lines separately so at least i could be consistent there but i then i had to make sure to be completely different and then do that in six different ways but have them all be women you know so i couldn't just go into like you know, little chipmunk voice or whatever. Or like massive lower register. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to be like, so guys, you know, we're going to go over to so-and-so's house. You know, I they all had to be, <laughs> they were supposed to be believable women. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that was challenging. But the, oh, I'm so proud of that one. I love it. And it was so well written. And that really helped because it was, it was such a good, it was, it was about, um, it's the one where uh, leftists rediscover biology. And they go through all these hoops to redefine what it means to be a woman, only to come to the conclusion that women are women. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it, it's a really good one. I recommend it if anybody hasn't seen it. I know that they just dropped a new one today, um, or maybe it was last night that I saw on Twitter. But I'm really excited to go back and watch that one. Um, are you working on anything right now with Freedom Tunes that you're allowed to? talk about or I can't ever talk about them as I'm doing them but um, as it is right now I there isn't one particular one that I'm uh, that I'm working on but um yeah the one that came out today with about Titanic Jack and Rose was really funny I just did you happen to see that one it's just like a few seconds long I didn't get to because when I noticed it, I was on um, American Daily Process Twitter account mm-hmm. and, and I was supposed to be doing um, social media work there. So oh, I didn't yeah. get to stop and watch it. I was like, oh. Oh, no. Yeah, you'll have to. I'm tempted to just say what happens in it and give the spoiler because it's just so funny. But should I do it? Should I just say it? You can if you want. Okay. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, it starts out with with Rose, in this case, lying on the couch clothed. So she's wearing a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's And she says, uh, what, what is the line? Um, I want you to paint me like one of your French girls. 
and uh so you see like the lines on the paper up close Mm -hmm. as jack's drawing and then he reveals it and it's a black guy (laughs) that's amazing and i just when they gave me that because it was right after gemini had gone viral they sent me that script and i just died that's amazing so i love how they always do things that are like so topical but they're not like here's the news i'm gonna punch you in the face with the news they're like here's something amazing topical and funny Mm -hmm. that's actually like humorous yeah yeah i i love it and what's really fun sometimes is i get to maybe like four or five of their cartoons that i've gotten to help write and that's that's amazing. It's always fun working with Seamus, even though he is the worst on record. I will say he is the absolute worst. But um, he's he's just he's got such a, a quick mind and he comes up with so much stuff. So I got to help write. Uh, one of the most fun ones to help write was um, mm-hmm. oh, it was the child free TikTok woman. And so we just came up with all of these ridiculous scenarios of how great her life is like she goes outside and she picks chocolate covered strawberries off of her tree because she's single (laughs) and childless so we did that and that was a lot of fun to work on and to work on the writing for that's so unfair because I currently am not a mother yet and I do not have chocolate covered strawberries outside on a tray Kyle you need to get it together wow you're just being totally ripped off (laughs) right um, are you going by Dinks yet? Do you do you put Dink in your in your profile? No, I go by TTC because we are TTC. <laughs> what is that? Oh, that means trying to conceive. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're not Dinks, I don't think you get that. You have to either be a single, child-free woman, or you have to be a Dink, self-proclaimed. What is it? Dual income. Dual income, no kids. No kids, yeah. And that that's when you get all the benefits and your life is absolutely perfect. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So but only for, on TikTok. Yeah, only on TikTok. Once you take the filter off. Devastation. Mm-hmm. Devastation yeah. everywhere. Yeah. That's why you should just live on TikTok. Just make your whole life making videos. <laughs> If you don't have a ring light, like, wrapped around your head, you're doing life wrong. Exactly. And that's why you're sad. That's, like, the secret to why you're sad and why you have problems. Well, you can't create a perfect reality if you're actually just living real life. You know, it's ridiculous. Big facts, big facts. So, for aspiring voice actors who are looking to break into this craft, what advice would you offer? Okay, so, um, there is an app called Fiverr. Mm-hmm. F-I-V-E-R-R, two R's. Um, you can get on there. So you got to have kind of a decent mic. And you can, you know, if you have a mic and a computer and like the little box, I still don't remember what it's called, that like connects them. You can basically just start mm-hmm. doing voiceovers for really cheap, cheap for you and then cheap for also. And I should say also um, you, you'll need, you know, the audio editor. But if somebody you know, gets that together. I mean, for a couple hundred dollars, not including the computer cost, um, you can just start, you know, turning out voiceovers and 
you just get on there and you sign up and you put yourself in as a voice actor and put in some samples and then you know it's no guarantee the work will start coming but there are also a lot of resources out there to help people get started on Fiverr particularly mm-hmm. with um voice acting so so that's where I did a lot I've done I don't know like four or five hundred over the years on Fiverr and then um yeah quite a few for Freedom Tunes and I did a couple for Babylon B years ago that's so cool yeah yeah so it's it's really fun I really enjoy it that's awesome thank you for that advice that's really helpful yeah so I know that you're a multi-talented, you know, amazing, just, I'm trying to find the word. The only I word know. that's coming it's, to my head right now is me. like, better than Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, go on, go on. <laughs> oh, I, there's, there's a, oh, triple threat or quadruple threat. That's, that's the phrase I was looking for. There we go. Um. So one of the other things that you also do is Brita Unfiltered, hence the name mm-hmm. of this episode. So I know ADP asked, what's your favorite part of being a contributor at ADP and how does your faith inform your contributions? Oh, interesting. So hmm, I, I'm still new at it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the spaces thing just happened because I just decided to open some spaces for fun. I was mm-hmm. baking in the kitchen and I was like, oh, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't tweet. I can't chat with people. I'll just open a space. And somehow they ended up kind of evolving to where, I mean, it could just be 10, 12 people. But then some nights, like over the course of the night, we'd have like 100 people, you know, stop in yeah. or, or more. And so it just, people started requesting them more. And then a couple of times we even had people who came on and, and spoke about, um, well, we had one on Israel mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of different perspectives and it, it kind of made me think I had people talking about me doing a podcast and, you know, Oh, you should do a podcast. I had no interest in doing a podcast. I still have yeah. no interest. It is. I admire what you guys do because to me, it's just like, that just sounds like torture. Like you have to come up with like all the questions. <laughs> and if you're not a natural interviewer, it's just like, uh, so and then you know possibly edit it afterwards yeah and I, I was just like oh that just sounds like so much work <laughs> dude honestly it is which is why I appreciate all of your supporting this and you know coming out every week to watch you on Tuesdays at 7 p.m eastern and giving me your rumble rants and subscribing and giving me your support and leaving nice comments like y'all you know the wonderful community we have and bringing glory to god is honestly what makes all of it so worth it because if i didn't have a wonderful community like all of y'all in chat and you've read it i i wouldn't be doing this Mm. (laughs) honestly um Uh, well i love that you are that's so so cool thank you um, so one of the other, it kind of goes into this a little bit, but can you share insights on maintaining integrity and auth- authenticity and expressing your faith in diverse contexts? Um, okay, well, hmm. I, that's, first, I, I do want to go back and, mm-hmm. and finish ADP because I feel like I kind of kind of left them hanging. 
no that was my fault um I yeah I, I I was really honored that I was asked to be a part of to you know kind of collaborate we're still trying to figure out how that's actually going to work because we're going to have to like somehow record the spaces because I haven't been able to get them downloaded and so but if we can get that going we'll be able to you know provide the podcasts and so yeah and what was the other part of their question about um how does my faith inform yeah how does your faith inform your contributions because I know that you know whenever I tune into one of your spaces they're absolutely amazing they're not usually on Saturday nights guys um you're always talking about something really important whether it's something, you know, local, whether it's something topical, whether it's something in your own life, like, you know, women shopping and <laughs> mo- how that ties into modesty and beauty and beauty and culture. You're always talking about something, you know, through a really unique and introspective world that like lens. So mm-hmm. how does your faith inform your contributions? I... I mean, I'd like to have something eloquent to say. I just get on there and I just talk. And I think I'm just, there are things that I feel so deeply convicted about mm-hmm. um, that I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly how or why. But I just, yeah, basically I I have a hard time not being authentic, I think. And so maybe that ties into the other question you were asking. But um, I I just if I don't have anything to say on a topic, I just listen. And that's one of my favorite things about doing spaces is because there's always people who want to talk and there's always things to say. And the conversation, like I, I kind of just let it go where it's going to go. I don't try to direct it because I honestly, I feel like the people in the space have way more to contribute than I do. And I really enjoy that. So I think if my faith informs it in any way, it's that I, maybe just trying to continue to have the humility of, you know, like, okay, I've got a lot of followers comparatively, especially to where, when I started, you know, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't really mean anything. It's like, I'm glad that people like to follow me and it's really great, but I don't, I'm not, uh, there are people with absolutely tiny accounts that have way more eloquent and amazing insights than me. And I think like that has been humbling to, Mm -hmm. you know, see that like, just step back and let other people talk and listen to what they have to say. So yeah, maybe that, I hope that answers the question a little bit. It does. And I know there's so many really amazing moments that have come from um, Kyle and chat is saying uh, spaces is chaos sometimes, which yes. Um, Oh yeah. The chaos is insane. (laughs) There's so many amazing moments that come from that. I know a couple weeks back um, I was talking to Faith. It was so funny. I was like, I was like, you should do a space about classical literature. Um, because I thought that'd be really cool. But um <laughs> I was telling her how hilarious it was with the Australian and how he was, you know, a little bit drunk. <laughs> and then we got into Just the like into the whole like kangaroos and the great emu war and everything. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that was so funny. That, that's one of my favorite things about my spaces is that you really don't know what's going to happen. And they aren't always eventful, but they're always funny. That's so true. And I always walk away learning something, too, mm. which is really awesome. Oh, I love that. That makes me happy. 
Um, so, and then you, what was the other thing that you had asked about authenticity? In- yeah. So can you share insights on maintaining integrity and authenticity and expressing your faith in diverse contexts? Because I know that you're such an amazing and you know, larger voice. So how do you go about doing that, you know, with grace and humility? Um, you know, something that I've, I've learned is, I, I think when I was younger, I really wanted to present a certain image and it wasn't to be fake. I wanted it to be real, mm-hmm. but it also made it where I wasn't totally being human either, you know, and just learning to be imperfect with people and just, I've learned that a lot from other people where I just, I feel like they, there is so much authenticity among the, the community that I'm in mm-hmm. that I just, I feel like there isn't this need to, to be any certain way, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it all started where I joined Twitter and I, I was conservative, but I disagreed with conservatives a lot of things with COVID and I ended up coming around to their point of view, but they, they still took me in and they, you know, it was like, we were able to fight it out. And with the exception of one or two people who did block me at times, um, we were able to, and we, we still stayed friends. Um, we were able to get through it. And that's something that I think, I think authenticity is so crucial. This is something I hate to say anything nice about Jeremy boring ever, but he, he has really, like, I've really learned from him to just, you know, as much as we'll tease him and tell him to be wholesome, and we're only half joking, um, <laughs> I do like that he just is who he is, where I feel like other people in in the media or behind the scenes in the media, like, mm-hmm. they, they're more concerned with presenting the image and then cleaning up, you know, behind the scenes here and there. I feel like Jeremy yeah. just puts it out there and he's just, okay, but this is me. You know, and I just, I, I really value that. And I think that that has, um, he has been one of the people who I've, I've learned that from over time. Don't tell him I said anything nice about him. I will not be able to show my face again. I won't. I doubt he even knows I exist. Never mind, have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real here. <laughs> uh, but I feel that so much. That's been definitely like a learning curve for me personally, too being in the kind of content creation space because there are some people who you get close to them and you realize oh okay I I think I'm more friends with your like who I perceived you to be versus who you actually are and there's nothing necessarily like wrong with that like you're not like a bad person or anything it's just the values that you convey through your content versus the like who you show up with in our life like that's very very different and mm. some like other people they're absolutely like amazing you're like oh okay like you know whether you're you know doing something in front of a screen or not you're literally copy paste same person that's awesome mm-hmm. but yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then you'll see too like where people come across as worse I think that's where where I laugh about Jeremy because he, he'll almost make himself sound worse mm-hmm. I mean he is really bad but <laughs> you know it's I I think it's that's something I I used to be way more polite on Twitter and I've just I've gotten a lot more blunt and Mm -hmm. harsh and in person I think I'm nicer than I am on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) but um I I think it's just yeah like there's there's a place for 
being polite and nice. And then there's a place for just, just putting it out there. And, but I think we can still be very, very honest and still have grace and mercy. And that will come through to the people who take the time to, to see it. Absolutely. That's, that's so true. And I think, you know, navigating that has been definitely a learning curve in trying to, and then the whole aspect of like, no, I really am this nice. <laughs> because uh-huh. there's so many fake people that are like, oh, wow, she's so fake. It's like, no, I'm literally doing a happy dance that you achieved that over there in my bedroom like a silly girl. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, you go, girl, you got this. <laughs> That's awesome. But I think being able to, you know, be a nerd and just be who I am and kind of come to my community and be like, hey, guys, I don't know a whole lot about this. I'm still learning has really Mm -hmm. informed my own content personally. Oh, that's so cool. Because people have been like, there are some people who I would like really admire and respect. Um, Some of them are in chat tonight. They've reached out and they're like, it's so amazing watching you, you know, being almost a year in to your podcast and watching how your walk with Christ has, you know, changed you over time. And that's just like so beautiful that you're allowing everybody to see that. Oh, that's so neat. I know, I like that. It literally made my entire week. That was so cool. Oh. Well, and I've grown too, like just um, congratulations, by the way. Thank I, you. I have no idea you've been going that long. That Like the time has just flown. It really has. It'll be, I think it'll be a year on May 11th. Okay. Awesome. But yeah, I, I, I found too, like that just, I've seen, I've, I just, I, I, I want to just pick on Margot again. I don't even know if she's still <laughs> listening, but she just, we, I feel like we have gone through so much ups and downs and mm-hmm. conflict and yet just been able to still be friends. And that's something that is, that can be challenging to navigate on Twitter because yeah, I'll go through sure. times where I'm like totally trusting people and then I get hurt and then I'm totally not trusting them. And then I, you know, and, but, and then ultimately like sometimes you realize, okay, I was right in the first place. And sometimes you're like, I was right later, but it really is tricky when you don't have that face to face all the time. And yes, but it's also very rewarding because I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I, I don't, well, actually, I do open up with people a lot in real life, too, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like people are more receptive to it online and are more likely to, in some ways, be themselves than they would be in their everyday life where they, you can't just start talking about whatever. Yeah. You know? I totally feel that. That makes exact sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, it can be a more authentic and meaningful experience as much as people will say oh online friends aren't your real friends it's like that no I don't think you understand totally what friendship is because I've made some amazing friends online exactly and I've been there for some of you know my online friends like biggest milestones and it's just been so amazing like I wow one of my best friends I actually met her on Twitter and the first time we talked we had a five-hour phone call oh wow yeah like she grew up in Africa and we had so much in common it was like insane I think Hannah's right in chat where she says I think you just have to find the right people Mm. that's so true 
Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, kind of, you know, in the same line, how do you think Christians can contribute positively to societal discourse and change? Um, in, uh, in real life, online, or... Both, either, in your hmm. experience. I mean, I think being willing to say the harsh truths when necessary, but not relying on that as your personality, because I do see that in real life at, um, it seems like the people who are willing to talk about their faith, um, they kind of have this, they have to stay in kind of this judgmental separated bubble to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So then they end up kind of harsher and more judgmental. And then the rest of them don't want to like ever say anything unless it's to others, other Christians. So I think it's finding a balance of just like a graceful approach to never being afraid to talk about your faith, but not making it like this challenge where it's like, okay, how many people can I talk about my faith with? And then you're, that's okay. But it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want it to ever become like a performative thing or a gold star. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Not virtue signaling even to yourself to feel like, oh, I did this great thing, you know, but just like making it just a real part of who you are. I think that's where, you know, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, that sharing of the faith got a little bit lost because even if we were like talking to somebody in a grocery store for like five to 10 minutes that were like, oh, why are you in a dress? It's like, oh, I'm a Jehovah's Witness and here's all the things about Jehovah and blah, 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 blah. And then Mm. go and you'd make a note of that and you'd write down like your little time on your slip every month because it was such a workspace salvation. And I think when we feel like we have to do like, you know, kind of that misapplication of storing up treasures in heaven Mm. is really really um I think that can really actually harm our relationship with God what do you think well first I'd forgotten you were Jehovah's Witness um so that just fits in so perfectly with with this but um and and I also I don't think it's wrong to especially with younger people like to kind of put those challenges before them to kind of just like get their feet in the water but um, but yeah, I do think that like, it really needs to be based on pleasing God and not racking up points. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I love what Nancy says here. She says, I prefer to go with preach the gospel always when needed, use words. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Also, in the chat, Caveat Ties has a question for you. He saw that the Daily Wire mentioned you in their last backstage. What did you think about that? Um, I think that maybe he's mistaken. I watched the whole thing. I don't remember being mentioned, but uh, Bad Quality Memes got a shout out. Is that what he's thinking about? If you could remember what it was about. I'd love to I'd love to be wrong and find out they, they mentioned me. That would be cool. I thought they mentioned a couple people and you might have been one of them. Um hmm. but yeah. Margo Margo would know. Okay. I love her. She's she's a sweetheart. She's okay. I love her, but not like that. <laughs> um 
Um, For anyone who doesn't know, like, that's our ongoing joke. I love you. Not like that. And she's like, like that. And I say, not like that. <laughs> yeah. You guys are besties. Hmm. Or at least that's what Margo told me. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh. She wants to marry me. I told her I'm not gay. You can't say a limer. <laughs> kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding. I'm happily it. married to Kyle. Um, so what advice would you give to Christians facing uncertainty or adversity in their lives? Um, just pray about it. No, I'm just kidding. That's actually one of my husband's pet peeves is when people like immediately <laughs> just pray about it. <laughs> Valid. Um, I gosh, like that, that's too deep for me. I think I'd have to know their their direct thing. I don't have anything profound. What's your advice for them? I think that sometimes we can be a bit unsure, you know, of our paths and different things like that. And one of the things that's really helped me is to just do the next right thing. Mm. Because even small steps forward in the right direction, while we're like feeling out God's direction in our lives can be really helpful. At least that's what I've noticed so far. That's, I like that. Are there any misconceptions or stereotypes about Christianity that you encounter and how do you address those? Um, oh, okay. Well, I mean, as much as I want people to have the best possible view on Christianity in a positive way, I, <laughs> one of the stereotypes that we see so often, I'm sure you see it all the time is that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was not judgmental. He, he just loved on people. He taught, he was tolerant. He loved sinners. And it's like, okay, you have not even read the Bible. Like you can't, he said to drop everything and follow him. Anything outside of that, he didn't tolerate. Now that didn't mean he went around treating people like crap, but our God is not known for tolerance. He's known for accepting people from all different backgrounds all different beliefs. He's not going to turn somebody away because they aren't good enough. But mm -hmm. he had no point. He says he's a jealous God. He flat out tells us that. And I think it's so funny when they think it's an own when they're like, well, you know what? Christians should follow Jesus's example and, and, you know, just love on everybody. It's like, I don't think you know what love means because love doesn't yeah. mean just letting people go in their delusions and their sin and telling them it's fine if they know they're sinning and they're working on it like you don't sit there and, and punch them in the face either but you don't go and tell people yeah you live your way I'll live mine it's all good because that that's not the that's not the bible yeah <laughs> Just flat it's, out, like, it's the furthest thing from the bible it's some weird libertarian christianity hmm. and I'm not here for it either <laughs> mm-hmm I feel like that's one of the things they really tried to redefine. And another one is humor. And it's mm -hmm. just like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what role do you think humor plays in fostering connection and understanding of in like the Christian community and within like the conservative community? Um, well, I think it has greatly unified us because the left has is has just abandoned it um and so i think that and and i think that it's such a relief to be able to 
have humor and to joke about things, even if they're, and I don't say this like in a religious sense, but even mm-hmm. if they're irreverent, even if it's dark humor, even if it's off the wall, potentially offensive. I mean, it's such a relief to be able to laugh about things. Um, and that's so true. I just, yeah, I, I feel like if not for humor, I don't think that we would have survived on the conservative side because the country is in such terrible shape, but we we can joke. And I've, I've found, I I don't meme like I used to, but I used to, my first couple years on Twitter were just memes and memes and memes. (laughs) And it was just, it was such a, an outlet. And I feel like that's where daily wire has just been so awesome is because in addition to all their honesty, like they're just, they're so funny. They really, really are. Whether they're rapping or, you know, memeing or doing their show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my husband will watch Matt Walsh and he'll laugh like it's a stand-up comedy routine because Matt's humor just gets him. Yeah. Matt's humor reminds me a lot of my husband. And I think that's one of the reasons I started watching him in the first place before I really, like back way back in the day. Back before, mm. like, I really knew what the Daily Wire was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Was that, like, back when he was in his car? Or No, you said it was with Daily Wire. Yeah. When he was, yeah. Yeah, because I would go and I'd watch, like, the most opposing sides of things, of, like, news coverage, mm-hmm. so that I could get, like, a full and complete holistic story about what happened. Oh, and I love not, that. Yeah. I'd be watching, like, Lauren Chen in some, like... I don't know, communist girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, here's the middle point. Okay. Back before I was knew exactly where I was politically because growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, they teach you that you're no part of the world. So they teach you that politics doesn't matter. So they teach you oh. that you don't need to know anything politically. <laughs> yeah. So coming out of that like a decade ago was, you know, trying to figure out which way was up and what politics I aligned with and my husband being a massive history buff and like the most brilliant man I know and taught myself oh. that, um was really helpful with that <laughs> yeah I I used to do that too and it wasn't until it really wasn't until I just finally realized why everybody was saying that um the mainstream media was so bad because mm. I still to me I still felt like okay I want to hear everybody's point of view and yeah I it wasn't until the last few years I'm like, okay, screw that. I'm done with it. I need, I need to yeah. have real stuff. And or I, I thought it was real stuff, but when I realized like how just bogus it was, I finally started coming around. But it, it took a while because I, I really felt like it's not fair to just listen to one side. I think that's so true. And that kind of ties into the next question that I wanted to ask you. With elections coming up, we try not to get too political on this channel, but it was something I've been kind of thinking about today since I saw a lot of online discourse about it. Do you think it's possible to be a strong, biblically aligned Christian while being a Democrat? Um, I think only if you don't really realize, like, if you have a shallow view of what it means to be a Democrat and it's mm-hmm. kind of a, you've been really taught to think that 
you know, they're more caring and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think that anyone who's really strong in their faith would be able to be a Democrat. But I think that there definitely could be Christians who are Democrats who are just, they aren't in that place in their journey where they put all the pieces together to realize like how opposite the liberals are in every way to what we're supposed to stand for as Christians. They seem to come across at first, like they are more mm-hmm. Christian in certain ways. Yeah, If you sure. put aside, you know, abortion, like the, the issues. If you if lean you just... in like their marketing versus their actual... Mm-hmm. At least back in the day with their marketing. Like the, the compassion, they're very much about helping the oppressed in their marketing. Um, and so it, it does have a semblance of Christianity to it if you until you start to dig. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you. Because I was like, I saw a lot of discourse about that today and I was like, oh, I should ask Britta. Yeah, what, what's, what's your thought on that? I, you know, I was kind of like thinking about it, like in the back of my mind for a bit today. And I kind of came to the same conclusion because I was like, I think that if you believe that there is a party of, you know, not necessarily historically based, like based in history and like knowing all of the, you know, different components of all of the, you know, not so great things that they've done. um, And then leaning further into not really understanding what all of the policies are just Mm -hmm. thinking that they are you know the dumb little names that they give them Mm -hmm. like i actually had a family member who literally thought ron DeSantis's bill was actually the don't say gay bill (laughs) and i had to break it down to them like it was before coffee she just starts talking about this i'm like girl i don't have coffee yet i'm like open the bill have you actually read it she's like no i'm like well it's not that bill and she's Mm -hmm. like you know it's the don't say gay bill and because they're so effective about you know telling you some completely third narrative Mm -hmm. that i think because of that i can really be like if you're dealing with the same set of objective reality and facts then you can't be but, like, if exactly, Terry says it perfectly. Only if you listen to the talking points and are also actually paying attention to the real applied politics of the Democrats. Thank mm. you. Thank you. That's perfectly stated that I was trying to express. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I saw somebody mention abortion in the chat, and I, look, I, I don't think there any way, there's any way to justify being pro-abortion from a Christian perspective, but I think it's very possible for somebody to be a Christian and to not totally fully grasp what it means to allow for for choice. Because I think that they see that more as like, you know, that's between the other person and God. And I realize that's super problematic and I'm not defending that. I just think that it is possible for people to have blind spots. And with abortion, I mean, there are, the Bible's pretty clear about life starting at conception, but at the mm-hmm. same time, not everybody has read all of the Bible and knows yes. it inside out. So I think it's very, and, and throughout history, there were people of, you know, different faiths, but, you know, believing in the God of the Bible who believed that, you know, that a human became a human at quickening. And that's like, second trimester you know so yeah i think that it's we have to be fair enough to say instead of just condemning them and being like no you're absolutely anti-god if you aren't 
very, very anti-abortion. And I think that that's misunderstanding that people, they'll tell you, and this, I get passionate about this, mm-hmm. they'll tell you that the person knows deep down. I don't know. I, everybody can have blind spots. I don't think yeah. everybody knows deep down that life begins at conception. I don't think they do. And if they do, it's so deep down, they need somebody to help them realize it. And sometimes pro-lifers actually kind of undermine their own ability to do that because they will act so extreme and treat people like Mm -hmm. you're murderers, you're enabling murder. And it's like, they just are like, Hey, you guys are crazy. So obviously you're not a good source to listen to. And I, I think we do need some better voices along with the abortion, the anti-abortion movement with the pro-life movement, because I think that that's, there, there is a missing piece there. I think part of it, it, like, because that's literally happened to me. I've had people accuse me of murder because of the fact that I was compassionate to somebody that was, you know, questioning Mm. certain like facts about pro-life versus, you know, pro-abortion. And I was like, no, I'm literally like respecting them, seeing them as a human, seeing them literally as a child of God, one of his image bearers, because all of us are, mm-hmm. and going from there and working outward to, you know, recognizing the root cause, trying to recognize and listen empathetically to where this is coming from, mm-hmm. and then going in with the facts, because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I've like literally had to block people because they're like, you're a murderer for being nice. And it's like, oh, I mean, I knew that there was a saying called kill them with kindness, but like, I think you're getting confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think we can get wrapped up in the fact that we're in a battle so much that we feel like we're ceding ground if we like listen to somebody else. And it, it isn't always like that. I mean, you're not you're not losing in the battle against abortion by having a conversation with somebody and not telling them you're a horrible, evil person for not knowing that abortion is wrong. You know? Yeah. People don't always know something is wrong just instinctively. I mean, I, I think people need to look at themselves when they feel that way and and go, what are, what are maybe my blind spots? You know, what are things that I didn't, even when I was already a Christian, didn't realize we're wrong until somebody explained it to me. You know? Exactly. Like, I didn't understand, you know, why IVF was wrong until I actually had people, you know, explaining the aspects of it. And I was, you know, out there passing out magazines with IVF on the cover being like, is IVF ethical? It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to read those. Mm. <laughs> and actually understanding it from like, like a scientific perspective instead of simply a religious perspective because Mm -hmm. I think there's so much where they're like very intertwined and understanding like okay life begins at conception scientifically it's not just like something that I believe and have faith in although the things that we believe and have faith in are important it's also this is literally what science says this Mm -hmm. is what God who created us says this is what you know science echoes because of the fact that like God created the world, all the things in the world, all of the things, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, and and again, like, not to, to dwell on it too much, but I, I think that the fact that there were people who believed in the Bible and believed in God thought that life began at quickening, and that was mm-hmm. part of the religious tradition, 
I think we need to look at that and go, okay, well, why were they wrong? Not, well, we know they're wrong. It's like, okay, but were they all evil and bad for thinking that? And why did they think that? And how did we get to this point? Because I think that that's where we can really solidify some of what we, what we believe and why. That's so true. And there are certain things that sometimes you just have never had the opportunity to really dive into them because you are looking at other aspects of, you know, faith or science or history or different things that have, you know, the same level of importance that you were prioritizing because of your own life experience and Mm -hmm. therefore didn't get to look at like other aspects of like other important things that, you know, were on the same level and just because of the fact that you're showing up here and now and, you know, you didn't know that before, that doesn't make you a bad person. Like sanctification, learning, growing, all of those mm-hmm. things are such a process. And somebody in chat mentions that they had two grandnieces who were conceived through IVF. And sometimes I feel like, like, that's such a wonderful, amazing, beautiful thing. And I'm so glad that they are here and that you know them and you get to meet them in like, that they're part of your family. And I think that sometimes people, I'm not saying that this, you know, individual in chat does, but I think that sometimes because people are like, oh, you think IVF is evil, so you hate them. It's like, no, like, I love them. Like, I'd love to meet them someday. I bet they're awesome. I bet they are wonderful little creations. Mm-hmm. And but, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I will, okay, you know, not all Christians believe this, but I think a lot of them do that ultimately sex is for marriage right so i believe that sex outside of marriage is wrong and that Mm -hmm. people shouldn't be having kids out of wedlock does that mean those kids don't matter or that they're they're lesser no of course not so it's like you know i mean believing that someone wasn't conceived in the way that god intended has nothing to do with diminishing like their value and them as people or saying that they shouldn't exist because God, God makes good out of everything. And I don't exactly. think people who've had IVF should have to like, just live in just absolute shame either. Like, I think we could just look at it like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, and I'm not even totally convinced on it, but I'm, get, I'm coming around to, yeah. to the idea. So I, I'm definitely not, I, I definitely have a problem with putting embryos on ice. Yes. I think the biggest aspect I personally have an issue with, because I've been, you know, researching this and, you know, looking at like the different legislation and all the things that are like going on in Alabama and all of it. I initially the biggest issue for me that was like, okay, this is like, this is where I draw the line is that all of these like fertilized embryos. So all of these humans at the very beginning stage, they literally get destroyed because you get, you know, X amount, some of them like implant, some of them don't. And so it's kind of like some of them miscarry in that way. And then the ones that aren't used, but are still created. So when life is created, mm-hmm. they get destroyed. And that's, you know, even though it's an out of body thing, it's like, okay, this is like the aspect where if it was done naturally, that would be miscarriage. And then the destroy, like the destruction of them, that is essentially an out of body abortion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But if you don't know all of those intricate ins and outs, how the heck are you supposed to know? Yeah, and I think it's it's so easy for people not to see, you know, an embryo embryo outside the body as a human being. 
Now, sh should they be smarter than that? Sure. But I, I just think it's really easy for people to not see it that way. And especially when you grow up in a society where that's normal and yeah. the Bible doesn't talk specifically about that. So we kind of have to just take, you know, look at it like, but you know, God creates a human from the beginning, but I, I probably shouldn't even admit my own doubts on here. I'm going to get so much hate, but I, I don't know for 100% sure. I, I believe that an embryo is a human being. I don't know when ensoulment happens. I, I always look at it as happening at conception, mm -hmm. but can I state with absolute certainty that every single embryo that's on ice right now is a human being that is just in limbo I, I or not, not religious limbo, but you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that is so hard for me to get my mind around. And it's not that I'm not willing to believe that. It's just, that's it's a valid so point, weird. honestly, like when does that part happen? Because when you're doing something so unnatural, natural processes struggle to kind of find their like find their course I guess or at least we struggle to understand where things happen in the not so natural course of things mm -hmm. like you know, that's such a valid point like could installment happen at implantation I mean I don't know I I don't know so I I know I'm gonna get so much flack for that but oh well honestly I think it's a really valid question because there are so many things that's like, okay, this, it's almost analogous because it's like, just like, you know, when certain ones don't implant, it's like, okay, that's essentially like a miscarriage because there's like the whole shedding of the everything and, you know, mm -hmm. not taking. Um, and then there's like the destruction, which is like abortion. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Also, speaking of abortion, Britta and I today were talking about one of our favorite beverages, which if you guys haven't tried it, you definitely should. Do you want a delicious brew that shares your values too? Look no further than North Arrow Coffee. North Arrow Coffee is a pro-life veteran-owned business that I am proud to have as a sponsor. Not only do they have a delicious, superior product, they also pledge to donate at least 15% of their sales to organizations that support and advocate for the pre-born, help families facing crisis pregnancies, and offer healing to those who have been affected by abortion in a gospel-centered way. Order North Arrow Coffee today. You can do so by going to northarrowcoffee.co. And when you use code FRIDA, F-R-E-D-A, you'll save 10% off your first order. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm also excited to get to announce. I've kind of been, it's been a work in progress. So I haven't wanted to say anything until we confirmed everybody and everybody's schedules. Cause, but I can finally actually say it now, guys. We are doing an IVF panel. On March 26th, that's going to be Tuesday night at the usual showtime. And I'm so excited because we have Real Truth Cactus coming on. You know, our beloved Jess. We have Sam, that's pro-life Sam, on, um, if you guys follow her on Twitter. If you don't, you really should. Like, she's amazing. I've learned so much from her. We also have Emily Zanotti, who's been, a who's been on the show yeah. in the past. And we have Katie Faust who is the head of them before us. So we're going to have an amazing discussion then. And I'm so excited for it. Don't worry. There's shows in the meantime. You'll have content. I promise. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I'm so excited because we were all kind of like talking about it a few months ago and I was like I feel like this could be a really great panel and then I was like hey guys I had an idea and then it just kept like getting added and you know oh this angle this layer this thing oh what about this it's like yes please that'd be awesome all of them except for um Katie Faust have been guests before so if you want to check out um if you subscribe to this channel also make sure you hit the like button like come on it's like I, I got pretty here guys like that deserves yeah, a like. seriously. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, but you should definitely check that out. Um, check out Justice Faith Journey. That was actually my very first episode. So she did amazing. My setup wasn't quite A1 yet. Um, and then Sam and Emily Zanotti both were on as well. Um, so that's really cool. Check those out when you're done watching this. But I'm very excited. I'm so excited I finally got to announce that. Um <laughs> But yeah, That's super exciting. Thank you. It feels kind of surreal, honestly. <laughs> oh, I bet. Now, I know that this question, our wonderful, amazing chat has been so patiently waiting for, but. No, he can't help you. Stop asking. Oh, sorry. Are there theological reasons why Michael Knowles doesn't deserve soup? Um, I'm sure there are. I was not. I was not given this question in advance, and I, I just feel unprepared to. You know, I don't want to speak for God. I can speak for the God King, and I, I think he would agree. Is that a theological reason? Theological adjacent. We'll take it. Oh. oh, according to Answered Seder, that in Catholic tradition, there is no soup for Knowles. Oh, well, that, that's great. I, 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 maybe I will become Catholic. <laughs> oh. So I know one thing that kind of gets brought up. Oh, there's more questions in chat before we... Um, move on do you do we have a timeline on when he can have soup why would anyone think that he's going to at any point has he earned it i mean has i'm seriously guys I, i'd like to know no actually i don't want to hear your reasons for why michael has not even given reasons why he just said he was hungry <laughs> Another thing that I always love hearing your thoughts about and I think um, I thought would be a great topic is what are some of your best tips when it comes to modesty? We, you and I have seen so much craziness, so much discourse, so much uh, just wildness mm -hmm. over the past few months, especially when it comes to modesty. Um, and I've really enjoyed hearing your perspective on different things. But for our listeners, what do you think some of your best tips are when it does come to modesty? Um, it can be difficult because of the way um, clothes are made to fit and, and what's mm -hmm. available. I was looking for shorts um, for a trip and I just, I, I, all I wanted was to not have shorts that were like, I don't know of a uh, not crude way to say this, like, <laughs> you know, <Yes. laughs> like that weren't that short. 
Um, but I kind of wanted something just like midway, you know, um, cause I'm not like as much as people thought I was like crazy modesty, everything I'm fine with shorts. Like it's not that big of a deal, but like, I just, I prefer them to not be like, you know, two feet above the knees. Yeah. And so underwear length practically. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I had a really hard time finding some, like I went all over and I, I just, I couldn't find them. I mean, you can try thrift stores, but um, if you're having to shop new, I, you know, then I, I think I ended up just doing cutoffs mm-hmm. because then you can choose. And then, um, but, but one thing I just, I suggest is like just layer stuff, you know, go with thin layers because if it, the weather's really hot, but like if something's too short, you know, you can just wear a layer underneath it. That's a little bit longer. Like you can kind of do like the um, tank tops and camisole shirts that are longer yeah there's just there's a lot of easy ways to like still wear the stuff that's in style but just kind of do different stuff with it um so that it's more modest um also you know it's like uh if you you can wear shirts that are a little bit longer over um because there's nothing inherently wrong with yoga pants but um, if they show, you know, lots of, you know, yeah, crease, creases and stuff, um, you know, it's like, okay, so wear a shirt that's longer than your butt and then it's not an issue, you know? Exactly. Um, I just think there's a lot of ways to get around stuff. Um, but it, you know, you have to be a little creative, but uh, what I like about that is that you can still wear stuff that's in style. You know, you don't have to feel like you've got to go just put on a jean skirt and a printed turtleneck yeah you don't have to go out back to you know what laurel ingles wilder, wilder days <laughs> yeah yeah um it's easier when i can like show images i actually mm-hmm. sent a bunch to pearl who was like deciding <laughs> that she wanted to tell everybody how to dress and i'm like you don't even know how any of this works yet you're just like speculating and I was like I actually can help you with this and so I sent her a bunch of dms just like okay here's what you can layer with this here's what you can layer with that and of course she ignored them because she doesn't really want answers she just wants (laughs) she just wants controversy yes for sure Pearl if you ever hear this you can still dm me back if not be ignorant that's fine I think one of my best thrifts was um I got these really amazing J Crew shorts that were like six inches, so they went like two inches or so from my knees, mm. and they like fit so perfectly. I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna keep these forever." <laughs> That's awesome. They're so well made. If you shop there, um, I know there's some issues shopping there, but if you shop the sale on sale, like their final sale, direct, like deep, deep, deep discount. Sometimes they actually like give me free stuff for like my birthday and for like different coupons that I have. It's insane. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's probably why it's like one of my, I don't do a lot of shopping, honestly, but that's one of my favorite places to go just because of the fact that I'm granted a lot of places that all have issues, but I save so much there and actually get really good modest clothing. Oh, I love that. One of my other questions, I see so many people really going through the, um, what's it called? When they're like breaking, deconstruction, there we go. 
Hmm. And then some individuals who aren't, but still seem to have some deconstructionist viewpoints, especially around purity culture. And then how, like, the red pill kind of goes into the purity culture and, like, intertwines in some crazy wild ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they apply the strictest possible version of purity culture to women and then absolutely, like, the worldliest possible... (laughs) yeah uh, standards for men um so what what were you what was your question about it do you think that purity culture was a net positive oh um okay so i think that if it was done right and mm-hmm. i'm not trying to sound like you know i know that's such an easy answer but i think i grew up in a way where it was done right for the most part like it wasn't yeah they talked about how you know women should save themselves and they said they said it to men too but like I remember hearing the analogy of like you know having something to give to your husband that's less than because you didn't wait and so on but I never really I I didn't really think that like my whole worth was based on that because Mm -hmm. that wasn't like the culture of our our youth group it was Mm -hmm. just more of really positively promoting um being pure yeah and it it wasn't like super judgmental I mean I'm sure some people would have seen it that way but I felt like they were we actually had a really cool youth pastor and his wife just really great people and not like really strict or judgmental just they had these standards and they talked openly about how it was hard to wait and um I feel like had everyone experienced it the way I did, it mm-hmm. absolutely would have been a net positive. I think because it wasn't, because it was misused and it used to put people down and hurt yeah. them, I think in that way, maybe there was a backlash to it. But, you know, I just, I don't think purity culture itself was a bad thing the way it's being presented now. Yeah, I think that the devil can really twist things that were created for good and that have a place and make them wicked and evil and vile. And a lot of what we're seeing nowadays is that very twisting. Mm. And that's really unfortunate when it's used to hurt people. But I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the principles of being chaste and having self-respect. And No, not at all. I think it's a beautiful yeah. thing. And I think Absolutely. that to to say that it's harmful to encourage people to wait or to to encourage them to okay maybe you haven't waited but it's never too late to start waiting and and then obviously purity after marriage but the my focus i guess on this has always been in the in between time the single time and mm-hmm. i just I, I think it didn't fully prepare me for certain realities in life of just like that okay that's not going to make everything perfect mm-hmm. You know, um, because you're still going to like, you know, it's like nothing in life is perfect. (laughs) So I guess I I just picture it. Okay, happily ever after kind of a thing in a way because they didn't, you know, maybe they they idealized it a little bit too much. But no, like I'm so glad I waited. I don't look down on people who didn't, but I am so glad I waited. And I, you know, what if I hadn't been taught this way? Yeah. And encouraged in that way. Um, so, 
Yeah, I hope that answers. Yeah. I had been talking with a friend about this not too long ago, and I want to bring up one of the points that she brought out. She said that sometimes teaching parody culture, like teaching anything, the way that it's taught doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best way it can be understood for different individuals. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the way it's taught can, even if it's not, you know, inherently wrong or anything, it would be more beneficial to provide multiple explanations and... As, you know, I mean, of course, the number one reason to remain pure is our love and obedience to our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, experiencing like the health side effects, even the emotional health side effects where, you know, the different soul ties due to virginity and all of that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I thought Um, she was really cooking with that. I think that's great. I, I, I feel like if people and and yeah like i that was a, there again i feel like i got such a good presentation of it because it covered all of the benefits not just spiritual not just and it just okay you've got you know yeah you don't have to have the baggage you don't have to have the memories you or you'll have less baggage and less memories you know if mm-hmm. you if you didn't wait the whole time and you'll have um you know, a lot of firsts with your spouse, but then also, you know, yeah, the physical, um, avoiding diseases, just practical things. Exactly. Um, There's a lot of reasons. And like, that's, I mean, that's also like the main reason why God tells us to do things because they're for our overall benefit. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. I, I gotta warn you, my phone is approaching death and I don't have the the splitter so I I can only like have my ear my headset plugged in or my charger makes sense so we will wrap things up um are there any upcoming projects or initiatives that you'd like to mention um no I think just I'll uh if you guys want to follow uh I think the the handle is Britta no filter and there's no need to follow it unless you just wanted to like put on alerts for it because the only thing you'll get from it is when there's a space coming up um you can do that uh actually adp wants me to say everybody should should follow so everybody follow it i forgot um everybody follow britta no filter to stay updated on when the spaces will be and um just come to the spaces if you can it'd be really fun they're they are chaotic they are not very organized but they are interesting they are. <laughs> they are kind of an they can be an adventure for sure we've gone as long as nine hours before <laughs> that night was wild oh, yeah <laughs> um also make sure you guys are following us daily press and all of the links are in the description down below yes britta is based oh thank you is there anything else you'd like to share or add before we conclude our conversation yes absolutely but I will not think of it until probably half an hour from now so it's okay you're in our discord which also (laughs) if you listeners and viewers want to be in our discord check out the link in the description down below we have a lot of fun there we talk about a wide variety of faith things life things we just hang out, do life together. It's really, really awesome. And we 
sometimes, you know, have some really fire Bible memes and all sorts of awesome jokes. But thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Love you so much. Britta, would you like to close in prayer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, get over here where it's a little bit quieter. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to pray for everyone listening that uh, that you'll touch their hearts and their lives and anything that's going on that's stressful or sad or any questions they're having or struggles. Lord, that you would just bring them peace tonight and just help them to know that wherever they're at in their journey, that you're you're there with them and that they can rely on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, kindly do me a favor and leave me a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. My podcast is available wherever you can listen, and it's also available live on Rumble on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. I hope you can join us in whatever format works best for you. Please tell somebody that you care about about this episode so that I can spread my work and encourage more people. And remember, stay based and stay blessed.